Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. Today I'm going to begin a series of talks as a back road tour of the Satipatthana Sutta. The Satipatthana Sutta, which is Majjhima Nikaya 10, is a practice tutorial. It describes a practice of contemplating Dhamma in terms of direct experience through a long series of exercises, which are grouped under four categories of body, feelings, mind, and Dhammas. The purpose is properly to develop right view whereby Individual Dhammic teachings are verified in experience, familiarized, and internalized, such that Dhamma becomes ultimately a matter of direct perception or even non-conceptual responsiveness, leading to the attainment of knowledge and vision of things as they are, effectively seeing through the eyes of the Buddha. This practice depends on the application of all three of the developmental bhavana factors of right effort, right proficiency, sati, and right samadhi for that final push toward liberation. The discussion here centers around the Pali version of the Satipatthana Sutta or the Mahasatipatthana Sutta, which is Diga Nikaya 22, which differs only in its longer exposition of the Four Noble Truths. The body of the text is a long series of descriptions of contemplative exercises, most of which are suitable for the cushion. This series is bookended by an introduction and a conclusion. We will compare the parallel versions of other schools and related discourses as we go. The Satipatthana Framework The text of the Sutta begins, Thus have I heard, on one occasion the Blessed One was living in the Kuru country, where there was a town of the Kuros named Kamasadamma. There he addressed the bhikkhus. Bhikkhus, venerable sir, they replied. The Blessed One said this. This is the one way, bhikkhus, a path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of Nibbana, namely the four Satipatthanas. One way, Ekayano, Eka is one, Ayana is way or path. 
is sometimes translated as direct path or only path. Its uniqueness as a way to Nibbana here suggests its importance, but keep in mind that it is not adequate in itself to fulfill that goal, but rather it's a near final step on a very long path of practice with many prerequisites. For instance, in the Samyutta Nikaya, we find, Then, bhikkhus, when your virtue is well purified and your view straight, based on virtue, established on virtue, then you should develop the four satipatthanas in a threefold way. By analogy, pushing the garage door button might be the one and only way to arrive at home, but still a relatively minor step if we have yet to drive across two states to deal with restless children and to tank up multiple times before we reach a point where the garage door will actually respond to pressure from our thumb. What are the four? Here, bhikkhus, a bhikkhu abides contemplating body and body, ardent, comprehending, and proficient, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. He abides contemplating feelings and feelings, ardent, comprehending, and proficient, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. He abides contemplating mind in mind, ardent, comprehending, and proficient, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. He abides contemplating dhammas in dhammas, ardent, comprehending, and proficient, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. This formula, also found in the many correspondence of the text, provides the framework for practicing Satipatthana contemplation on the themes of the four Satipatthanas while applying a Satipatthana method. The four Satipatthanas are described in terms of the one who abides contemplating body and body, feelings and feelings, mind and mind, and dhammas and dhammas. The four satipatthanas are therefore contemplations on themes categorized by body, feelings, mind, and dhammas. The satipatthana method is described in terms of the practitioner who strives to be Ardent, comprehending, proficient, and having put away covetousness and grief for the world. Proficiency here translates sati. I deliberately avoid translating sati as mindfulness. With proficiency, I hope to restore something close to Reese David's once apt choice of mindfulness to refer to memory applied to purposeful activity in the present, primarily know-how rather than know-what. Listen to my talks on how mindfulness got mislabeled. In my related paper, The Satipatthana Method, 
I call the fourth factor of the method the shorter unhindered, since it involves holding the five hindrances at bay. I explain that this method strives for utmost skillfulness or proficiency attentiveness in the fourfold contemplative practice, and for that matter, in every Buddhist practice. Once again, in the Satipatthana method, the practitioner is ardent, comprehending, proficient, which others call mindful, and unhindered. I argue that this method, rather than the contemplative practice, is the basis of right proficiency, samasati, a path factor that notably runs and circles around, along with right effort and right view, each of the five wisdom and virtue path factors in support of optimal performance. And that right proficiency also implicates right samadhi, which springs up for one of right proficiency. I further argue that the compound satipatthana itself literally refers to the method, not to the contemplative practice. For the compound, satipatthana translates literally proficiency attentiveness, even though the term came to designate the contemplative practice as the practice most emblematic of the method. See the paper and my related talks for justifications. Let's look at the exercises within the text. The introduction that we just cited is followed by the description of a long series of exercises, each of which implements one of the four satipatthanas. The first section of exercises begins, And how, bhikkhus, does a bhikkhu abide contemplating body in body? Three following sections begin with the same question, but with reference to the other three satipatthanas. The exercise in the four satipatthanas are as follows. Among the body exercises are breath, postures, activities, body parts, elements, and nine exercises about corpse decay. Among feelings is only one exercise, and among mind is only one exercise. Among the Dhamma exercises are hindrances, aggregates, sense spheres, awakening factors, and the noble truths. The very first exercise, which is the body exercise on breath, is unique in that it begins with a passage that describes establishing what is clearly a proper meditative context conducive to the practice of most, but not all, of the other exercises as well. Here, a bhikkhu, having gone to the forest or to the root of a tree or to an empty hut, sits down, having folded his legs crosswise, sets his body erect, having attended proficiently to what is in front. 
Proficient, he breathes in. Proficient, he breathes out. The phrase, having attended proficiently to what is in front, translates parimukkang in front, sating, proficiency or recollective know-how, upatapetwa, having attended to. I analyze parimukkang as the object of the verb and sating as an adverbial accusative. What is in front? Figuratively, but clearly, whatever needs to be attended to to accomplish the particular exercise. We attend to this range of factors while also bringing relevant dhamma to mind, thereby fulfilling the Satipatthana method and setting the conditions for examination of experience in terms of dhamma in order to fulfill Satipatthana practice. I won't take the time to hear to cite each exercise, but you can find the full text at sitigu.org slash chintita slash satipatthana. Here, as an example, is the second exercise in full. Again, bhikkhus, when walking, a bhikkhu understands I am walking. When standing, he understands I am standing. When sitting, he understands I am sitting. When lying down, he understands I am lying down, or he understands accordingly however his body is disposed. Notice that this particular exercise must take place outside of the meditative context described earlier. Each exercise tracks some topic for analysis. Sometimes the point is, as in this exercise, a present physical or mental event. Sometimes it's a visualization, as in the following. Again, bhikkhus, as though he were to see a corpse thrown aside in a charnel ground, one, two, or three days dead, bloated, livid, and oozing matter, a bhikkhu compares this same body with it thus. This body, too, is of the same nature. It will be like that. It is not exempt from that fate. The purpose of Satipatthana practice is to examine Dhamma in terms of experience. However, the body, feeling, and mind exercises refer to no specific Dhamma teaching, relying rather on the teachings laid out in the common refrain, which will be discussed presently. In contrast, each of the Dhamma exercises focuses explicitly on a well-established Dhamma teaching. For instance, again, bhikkhus, a bhikkhu abides contemplating Dhammas in Dhammas in terms of the five aggregates of appropriation. And how does a bhikkhu abide contemplating dhammas and dhammas in terms of the five aggregates of appropriation? Here a bhikkhu understands such its form, such its origin, such its disappearance, such its feeling, such its origin, such its disappearance, 
such as perception, such as origin, such as disappearance, such are the fabrications, such their origin, such their disappearance, such is cognizance, such its origin, and such its disappearance. The aggregates of appropriation are a Dhamma teaching, a Dhamma with small d, expounded in many places in the early texts, and the extent of the practitioner's familiarity with, or even internalization of, the teaching is brought into the current contemplation as the practitioner's proficiency. A set of Dhamma teachings are laid out in the common refrain with some slight variations that follows each of the 21 exercises, according to which each of the exercises is subject to analysis. In this way, he abides contemplating body and body internally, or he abides contemplating body and body externally, or he abides contemplating body and body both internally and externally, or else he abides contemplating in body its nature of arising, or he abides contemplating in body its nature of vanishing, or he abides contemplating in body its nature of both arising and vanishing, or else the recollection, sati, that there is a body is simply established in him to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and proficiency, and he abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. That is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating body in body. The refrain introduces a mode of dhammic analysis, which I'll call primary analysis, since it performs most of the work of the Satipatthana Sutta. Primary analysis is based on the foundational teachings of the three characteristics, tilakkana, of non-self-impermanence and suffering. Through repeated contemplation, we learn and eventually internalize these essential teachings. In the case of the Dhamma exercises of the fourth Satipatthana, the refrain is explicitly augmented with a reference to the respective Dhammic teaching that provides the theme of the preceding exercise. For instance, the refrain following the five aggregates exercise that I just cited has this form. In this way, he abides contemplating dhammas and dhammas internally, dot, dot, dot. That is how a bhikkhu abides contemplating dhammas in dhammas in terms of the five aggregates of appropriation. Next week, we'll finish our pass through the Satipatthana Sutta by looking at the positive note of the conclusion and make a brief overview of its correlates in other Pali and Chinese texts. Then I'll argue that the Satipatthana practice is properly understood as a development of right view, while its method belongs to right proficiency, sati.
To learn more about the Rethinking the Satipatthana Project, please go to sirigu.org slash chintita. That is S-I-T-A-G-U dot org C-I-N-T-I-T-A.